Yes, we're, we're finishing up our series today on who do people say Jesus is. And we've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of different things. We've heard from angels, we've heard from babies, we've heard from prophets, we've heard from old men and old women. Today we're going to hear from Jesus as to who he says he is and what we can learn from him. And so we're going to read this morning from Luke chapter 2 verses 39 through 52. We're going to read that and then we'll pray. Um, We read 39 and 40 last week, but we're coming back to it today. It says, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they, could not, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not answer, excuse me, they did not understand saying the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive of them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Lord, so many of these stories that we read as we walk through this time at Christmas, they're stories that we're very familiar with. Lord, help us to not allow our familiarity to keep us from hearing from you. Lord, that we can, not necessarily that every time we come we have to hear something new, but every time we come we do want to hear from you. And so, Lord, we are your children, redeemed by your blood, gathered together as your church to hear from your Holy Spirit, from your word. So just teach us this morning, and it's in your name we pray, amen. As we come to this passage of scripture, this has been preached many times over the years. It's one of those passages that the people come back to, especially at Christmas time, but but over and over again throughout the times. And and so I want us to look a little bit differently at it this morning, but not not totally differently, but I want us to remember something as we're coming to this passage is we tend to think that Jesus, because he was God and man, understood that from the day he was born. You know, and, and he was a baby. He grew as a young man. He more than likely did not know all these things as a baby because babies don't know these kind of things. He was growing as a human being, learning as he grew. So as we think through this passage this morning, I want us to see this and remember 
that he's coming at this story, we're coming at this story as someone who, because there's, there's all kinds of fanciful things out there. There's a, there's a group of books that teach that when Jesus was a child, he made a clay pigeon and then made it fly to impress his friends. There's even one that when Jesus was a, ba- a child, he's playing like on a playground and some kid accidentally runs into him and he strikes him dead. You know, and you think, these are crazy stories, but people tend to believe these things. And people tend to believe that he is a child, you know, well, we're going to make this uh, ox um, yoke here. My dad and I are going to do it as a carpenter. When dad's not looking, I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll put my touch on it and get it to work. No, he worked as a carpenter. He didn't pull tricks out of a hat. You say, well, how do you know that, Wade? Well, John says that when Jesus turned the water into wine, that was the first of his miracles. It didn't say the first of his miracles as an adult. It says it was the first of his miracles. So we don't see that Jesus was performing all these miracles as a little boy. He was a normal little boy growing up. Now, he was a normal little boy growing up, but without sin, Scripture says. But he was a normal little boy. So let's look at verse 39. It says this, When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee as to their own town of Nazareth. You know, Jesus said one time, He said, I don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. When He was baptized, He told John, we have to do this to fulfill what was written. And so He's not there to get rid of the law, He was there to fulfill the law so that the law now could be obeyed by those of us who follow Christ. If you read Romans chapter 8, he says the law was weak. It couldn't do anything because it didn't have... Why? Because of our flesh. But God sent His Son to to die according to the law so that we who walk by the Spirit now walk according to His Spirit. Now that's a paraphrase. But the issue is we are walking by the Spirit now. And we walk in the law, we walk to fulfill what God's called us to fulfill, not because we have to fulfill the Old Testament law. Jesus did that. And we see this as a child. He was carried as a baby into the temple at eight eight days old to be circumcised and to be committed to the Lord. We see in just a few minutes that every year his family went at the Passover to Jerusalem. That was part of the requirement. It wasn't a requirement for the whole family. It was really only a requirement for the men. But the whole family gathered and went to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. So he fulfilled the law. He did what he was called to do. But then it says in verse 40, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. It doesn't say that he did anything special. He grew. And he learned, and he grew in stature, and he grew in wisdom. For those of you who home, how many of you homeschool here? Okay, I was going to tell you, you didn't come up with this on your own. It wasn't a new thing. They homeschooled back in those days. You know, Jesus grew up with his mom and dad teaching him the Old Testament. And so by the time he's 12 years old, he has had probably mom more than dad, because dad was working in the carpenter shop, spending time with him, teaching him 
the Old Testament Scriptures. Helping him to see that whether she's teaching him that he's the Messiah, we don't know. But she's teaching him the Scriptures just like any other mother would teach their child the Old Testament Scriptures. And so he's learning and he's, he's memorizing and he's beginning to see how things fit together. And, and, and so it doesn't say that he had any kind of special ability to understand Scripture. He probably did because he was God and the Scriptures are about him. But he's learning just like any other child. He's beginning to see things that maybe are, some questions are coming into his mind. But let's see what Deuteronomy says about how they were to teach their children. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. This is the training that Jesus was going through in the Old Testament. His mother was teaching him, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They talked about the Scriptures when they got up in the morning and when they lied down at night. When they went outside and when they came back in, they were talking of the Scriptures, helping him to learn and grow. But then we also need to remember Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus came to earth, was born of a virgin, and lived as a normal Jewish boy. He chose, before he came, to set aside the privileges of Godhood to become a man. To become a little baby born naturally, growing up, having to have diapers changed, having to learn how to use a spoon and a fork. All of these things, not because... He couldn't pull in his godhood and just go, hey, I know how to do all these things. Because he chose to set it aside. He chose to no longer take the privileges of godhood so that he could be a man just like you and me. And he's learning and he's growing. So then we come to a part of the scripture that is the part we all like to look at. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to, his, to the custom. When the feast was ended and as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. Now, this sounds bad. How many of you have ever forgotten your child anywhere? You don't have to raise your hand. But I've not forgotten my child that I can remember, but I've forgotten other people's children before. I remember we, we had a, a new pastor at our church in Dallas, Georgia, 
And after church on Sunday night, we went down to Dairy Queen or something. I don't know where it was we went. And we get back to the church, and he says, where's Kelly? And I was like, and he's the new pastor, and I left his daughter at Dairy Queen. Now, she was eight. She was 18, okay, so it wasn't a little child. But, but she'd gone in the bathroom. I got on the van and came back and just totally forgot her. The good thing was it was only about 10 minutes down the road. But, you know, so it's these... I forgot her. So it doesn't, it's not that Mary and Joseph were going, oh, where's Jesus? They traveled as a caravan of people. Family members, all kinds of people traveling together. The kids all hung out together. The parents all hung out together. They stopped for the night and they began to look and he's nowhere to be found. And it says three days they looked for him. Now they didn't look a total of three days. Remember it says after one whole day is when they stop and realize he's gone. So how long does it take to get back to Jerusalem? One whole day. They travel back wondering where he is. They get to Jerusalem. It takes, one version says, on the third day. But whether it took half the third day or you know however long, they're starting to get a little frantic looking for him. And they find him in the temple. And he's sitting and he's talking with the, the teachers. And it says this. Listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, we have no idea what Jesus was talking about and going back and forth with the teachers of the law about. I'm going to give you my speculation. Don't teach this as truth. This is the way I figure it probably happened. May or may not have. But I'm thinking he's 12 years old. The next year he will become a son of the law. He will be required to be able to teach and understand the law as a 13-year-old. He has been hearing from his mother all these Old Testament passages that in his mind he's beginning to go, now you're saying the Messiah is going to come take over, but I read Isaiah 53 and it, it doesn't sound like the Messiah is coming to take over. It sounds like he's going to be sacrificed. And so he's wrestling through, who am I? As I read this Old Testament, and I read these passages, there's so many passages that seem to indicate, not that I'm going to rule as king right now, but that I'm going to suffer as a servant right now. And I think he's asking the guys, hey, you know, you keep saying this passage says this, but as I look at it, it seems to say this. And they're... They're amazed that he can understand it in that way, and they're also kind of confused. And, you know, he's not saying this is what it says. He's going, hey, guys, you're the teachers of the law. I've read it this way. My mom's taught it to me this way. What do you think? I'm reading it. It seems to be saying this. Again, that's my speculation. But I think this is when it's fine. he's finally beginning to put two and two together and beginning to understand what his purpose in life is. Now, one version, and probably even a better translation than the ESV, doesn't say that he says, I should be about my, be in my father's house. It says, I should be about my father's business. And we give Mary a hard time. that She comes back and she's going, hey, we've been looking for you. You've made me and your dad all nervous. And, and it seems like Jesus goes, hey, what's wrong with you? I should be about my father's business. You should know that. But I really think what he's saying is, hey, you've been teaching me this. You of all people should understand what we've been studying. 
just be a reminder of what you were told before I was born, that you've probably also told me those stories. And he's going, you know, I'm beginning to put two and two together. But what does it say from there? He begins to put two and two together. He's beginning to understand that he needs to be about the Father's business. But then he goes back with them to Nazareth. And it says he submits to them. Now think about that for a minute. He's just now beginning to grasp who he is. As a 12-year-old boy, he's beginning to understand, I'm the Messiah. Still not totally sure what all that's going to mean, but I'm beginning to get it. You know, most 12-year-old boys I know would tell mom and dad, hey, going back to Nazareth, I got this. I don't need you anymore. I got it all under control. But no, he went back and submitted to them for 18 more years. Why did he stay around for 18 years? We don't know. Just from personal experience, I can say he probably was waiting until his younger brothers were old enough to take over the business. Somewhere along in there, we don't know exactly when, Joseph has died. So now Jesus is it, running the business, taking care of mom. He's got younger brothers and sisters. We don't know how much younger they are than him. But he's probably just waiting till that time frame. And a little bit different take on Galatians 4.4 at the right time. Over and over again, Jesus tells Mary, hey, it's not my time yet. He knows when the time comes, now is the time for me to step away from the carpenter shop and begin my ministry. He knows what that means. He submits himself. Now when I think of that, and I think back to Philippians chapter 2, What's the first part of that verse say? Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many of us are willing to submit to the Lord? Submit to the Lord's timing? Trust Him to provide and take care and do what He needs to do in the right time? It's not easy. It's not easy to stop and say, I understand and know who I am. I understand and know what God's done for me. What do I do now? Some, some of you guys I've talked to, some of you have not. November 5th, I was relieved of my duties at the ministry I worked with here in town. And so I have to sit and say every day, Lord, I don't know what you have in mind. Don't know what's next. But I'm surrendered to you. And I'll do whatever you call me to do. And however you call to use me. That's tough sometimes. But the Son of God who became a man, 
submitted himself to his mother and father for 18 more years after he was beginning to put two and two together. And when the right time came, when his time came, he stepped out into ministry. But even that, it was not his time to be crucified. That was three years later. He served for three years. And then when the time came for the Passover where he was going to be sacrificed, it says he set his face to Jerusalem. And he began to work his way there. And he began to tell the disciples, we're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to crucify me. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. And a few days later, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Guys, I'm just, just letting you know, it's, it's not going to be good. When he gets to Jerusalem, he begins the very first day to tick off everybody he can. He flips over the tables and he calls people broods of vipers and, and, and all these different things and he's, he's stirring the pot. And even they say, hey, we can't kill him during the, the feast because that won't be a good thing. And he goes, yeah, you can. <laughs> Here, let me show you. I'm orchestrating these events so that when the Passover comes, I'm going to be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. I'm in control. He told that to Pilate. He told that to the disciples. He told that to those who arrested him. If I want to, I can wipe you all out. But I'm not going to. Because this is what I'm called to do. Because even with what we heard from John the Baptist, what we heard from Simeon, what we heard from Anna, what we heard from Gabriel, what we heard from Mary, they're still in their minds, I don't know about Gabriel, but the others are still in their minds thinking the Messiah is going to come and wipe out Rome and start to rule. They've read the book of Daniel where the rock destroys the idol and sets up his kingdom. Man, this is it. We're ready. We're going to take over. And then he begins to say, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me, crucify me. They're going, ah, time out. Each of us in this room have a purpose. God's created us for a purpose. He has recreated us. For a purpose if we have a relationship with Him. We may not totally understand what that purpose is right now. But we need to be committed to searching the Scriptures just like Jesus did. Asking questions, getting clarity just like Jesus did. Surrendering ourselves and submitting ourselves to authorities over us to learn what it means to follow Him. Being patient to listen and wait until God's timing and then step out and do it. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about presents and trees and Santa and all those things. It's about a surrender and a a submission to the Father's will. That God the Son submitted to God the Father to become a man, to live as a man, to die as a man, is what Paul says in Philippians 2. 
And we're to have the same mind in us that Christ Jesus had. What are you surrendered to? Several years ago, I can't even remember now where the passage is. It's the Old Testament. But it says you cannot serve God and Milcom is the word that it uses. Which is an idol, but it's taken from the root from the idea of king. And it's saying you can only have one king. We can't have several kings. We have one. And that's Jesus Christ. What are you surrendered to? Who are you surrendered to? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these stories that may be very familiar to us, but are also stories that draw us closer to you. Help us, Lord, to walk in submission to you, to have the same mindset that you had, which was surrender to the will of the Father. Help us to be surrendered to your will, not to serve any other king but you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.